0: Our two friends going through big changes in our lives, just like so many other people that we know. No matter how happy we are, life is always throwing us a curveball.
1: And we have found that having a friend to talk it through and discover new tools with has been key to figuring out who we are now as we evolve through these life transitions. So join us as we grow, and learn, and nourish our souls together hello Jill hello happy what day is it Saturday (laughs) Saturday it's like the week between Christmas and New Year's when it's like all the days kind of run together and it's all just holiday break mode
0: that's right although this is going to be airing after the first of the year oh yes that okay Okay.
1: hello friends happy new you are already stepping into (laughs) your your new year
0: that's right all right let's put away our befores okay let's put them away when, before we started earlier, you were very kind and just walked over and started doing some body work on me, Aww. which, you know, breathing is always what I go to. But then when you do that, I mean, I told you my love language is touch. So t- I very much respond to touch. Well, I which think sounds sexual. And I, don't I mean know. It sounds... that way. <laughs> I don't mean it that way. As as we
1: encourage you to put away your befores, sometimes I, you can maybe hear I pat my legs and I pat my arms, just kind Mm -hmm. of like connect with my body in real time. And you can do a little Alexander forward and up with the head Mm -hmm. and open up your awareness and to where your body is in space. So sometimes a little tickle, scratch, patting wakes me up and gets me present.
0: Yes. And I like to even do my arms to... Follow my breath in and then out, put my arms out. I like to do that as well. But yes. Love it. Love it. Well, Welcome
1: to the we present are. moment. Welcome to the present moment. What are you curious about today,
0: Melinda? Well, Jove I've been very curious about slowing down because we've talked before on this about how you and I are go, 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 go all the time. I'm starting to find personally that that is becoming... I think, too much for me, mm-hmm. and I need to start slowing my life down a little bit. It's gotten progressively faster, I feel like. Really? Over over time, but I do think that that has to do with the amount of information that is coming at me all the time and my mm-hmm. need, my feeling that, is that when a text comes in that I've got to answer it right away. Yeah. These phones and things that have become so convenient. I mean, this, this is not new information. You hear this everywhere. It's made us feel like we have to be responsive to 24-7. Yeah. And my son, my 23-year-old son, was the one who told me the other day, uh, mom, you know, you don't actually have to answer a text within, <laughs> within the first 30 seconds of getting it. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, really? I, I don't think I realize that. And I just think that's so interesting because you and I were raised in a time when we didn't even have answer machines. Yes. So if you, you had to be patient, right? You could, everybody was not, you were not able to get hold of everybody all the time. And so if I had something to tell you, it might take me a couple of days to get to talk to you. Because I would call and you wouldn't be home. And I didn't have any other way to contact you. And now everyone can contact each other all the time. I feel like I've completely forgotten (laughs) that previous time
1: in my life Mm -hmm. when we all lived without answering machines. I mean, that was a big deal when that even came. If if a call happened, you just, like you said, missed it. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that's instilled a fear in me is the couple of comments that you may get from somebody of well i texted you and are you mad at me we do get messages that are sort of veiled with an expectation of or an interpretation of you don't care about me you don't yeah you're not responsive to my needs right. or i've done something wrong or i hurt your feelings and that has really instilled a fear in me of if i don't certainly with my clients I've noticed in the nineteen years that I've been in real estate, to some degree, some of my clients only want to communicate via text. Mm-hmm. Do you know how hard it is to negotiate contracts, oh, complex, yeah. you know, business transactions via text? But you know, whether it's clients or friends or neighbors,
0: people, or children, yeah. Children.
1: Although. My ch- son, mm-hmm. who's 17, doesn't respond in text communication as fast as I do.
0: Mm. He, I mine he, either.
1: Same. he moves at a much slower pace with mm-hmm. texting. Right. I could learn something from my 17-year-old, which I think is interesting.
0: Yes, I do too. I. It's interesting that those of us who are the... People who weren't born into this, the right? we're not The non-natives. We're the non... Yes, I was trying to think what the term is. The migrants, I guess, into it. I don't know. But the non-natives. How we have taken to it and taken it to a whole other level. And it is so interesting what you were saying about... <laughs> these implied, right? Well, that's all inner narrator again, right? So if I text you, and you don't text me back right away, and I start perseverating and deciding that, oh my gosh, she's mad at me, or she's, you know, what happened last time we talked that could have frustrated her? I mean, that the fact that I make that the story is so crazy, right? But that's how what so many of us do. I was, I was reading an article a couple days ago, and it was about text expectations now. And how now, even the emojis, all these emojis have different mean different things now. Mm-hmm. They were also saying that now, if you put a period at the end of your sentence, that that is considered that you're just kind of like, whatever. All right, whatever. What? Like, yeah, it's wait, wait. I know a period. I know using a period. So now, I guess you do an exclamation point for everything that you write, or do you not, <laughs> or do you just not punctuate? I don't understand it. Okay. But anyway, but all that to say, look, like, we're suddenly living in these this world of making some kind of an assumption over these texts, right? So, so what, anyway. so what do you imagine
1: or think that you need or should be doing in this effort
0: to slow down in the new year? So you and I've had some conversations about this, which I really have appreciated because you and I are, as always on the same page with a lot of the things that we are doing. And so one of the things that we've talked about is that I, I, have my morning routine with my meditation, which is great. Mm -hmm. I go outside with my dogs. I take my little cup of coffee or tea outside. I sit down on the steps and I meditate for 10 minutes. But then I would get up from that meditation (laughs) and bam, I am like a shot. And then I'm off, right? I'm off to the races. And check, I did my (laughs) slow meditation thing. (laughs) And now I don't have to do that for the rest of the day. I'm going from (laughs) zero to a hundred and I'm not going to stop. And so you know, you and I have talked a little bit about what we want to incorporate to help ourselves slow down. And one of the things, of course, we talked about was starting maybe a Tai Chi practice. Mm-hmm. And so you and I are both reading a book on Tai Chi. And I do think it. Go- you and I have talked about doing Tai Chi for years, which is what's so funny. But suddenly it's all really kind of come to the surface now. This feels like the right time. Yeah. And you talked a little bit about, and I thought it was really interesting, about your slowing down your mind first. I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit. Yeah.
1: I think I've been aware for several years now that every aspect of my, every core of my being right now is telling me, yelling at me to slow down. And it, it started well before my diagnosis. Literally, I was going so fast at one point, juggling job and family and passion projects. And I serve on a lot of boards and running from meeting to meeting. I hope, uh, you or listeners won't mind that I'm just going there with the conversation, but my body literally mm-hmm. like forced me to stop Yeah, by having like this several months of digestive issues where I was, I don't know how else to say it other than crapping my pants. Like I just was like, <laughs> y'all, I don't know what it was just like, it was this like, die constant diarrhea I like oh. like you can't do there's not a lot like you gotta <laughs> slow down um and I just remember at that time I was like because it was really hard for me to slow oh down. oh my gosh and yes yes But when, you, when that's happening yeah. you're like Welp, yeah guess I gotta go tend to this now yeah and looking back in all seriousness I think that was a, an MS flare. That was the, an, mm-hmm. a, another flare that I was having, mm-hmm. and that's how my body was reacting. But that was before I had the language of multiple sclerosis, and I didn't know what my autoimmune system was doing. Right. But even without the specificity mm-hmm. of the diagnosis, there was an internal voice and conversation happening inside of me where I knew that my body was telling me something that I needed to respond to. Mm-hmm and that it was serious. And I started to navigate and walk through the slowing down. And as I've evolved in this slowing down journey, I just continue to come face to face with fear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Fear of dying, fear of people not liking me, the mm-hmm. fear of not being right or perfect or smart or all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes to such a minute level that as I try to slow down throughout my day, I, I'm more aware of how hard it is for me to not be on mm-hmm. when I'm out in public. I love people. I get energized by exchanges and conversations with people. And mm-hmm. this is not to say that, and I know you and I are similar, like we love being around people yes. and we genuinely, authentically, it is not an act our our joy of talking with people right. and meeting new people right. and exchanging ideas with people. Mm-hmm. But every now and then there's a moment where maybe I just want to sit and stare <laughs> or yes. think about something right. or just or maybe have re- a moment of silence. Yeah, or retreat, retreat a little bit. And, and have- I feel com- uncomfortable in that moment. Like, oh, they're going to think that I
0: don't care. I 100% agree with you. I'm always worried that people are going to think that I don't care, which is why I am worried about texting people right away and responding to somebody. Or if uh, somebody wants to reaches out and they want to go have lunch, I love it. I love getting to go have lunch. What I don't love is when I have a lunch every day of the week and I have no time to get anything else done or any time for myself. And so that's when I need to start pulling back a little bit. So as we talked about, another thing that I've decided to start doing is tea time. This is something that you ended up telling me. I didn't even know that you had already done this at one point, but my tea time was inspired by you because Jill gave me for Christmas a beautiful teapot with a little steeping basket in it, and a little beautiful teacup. So I've decided that every day, and I've already started doing it, that at two o'clock every day, I am going to stop and make tea. And I'm going to do it ritualistically, as we've sort of talked about on here, the importance of really leaning into some ritual, which means I'm putting my phone away, I'm in the moment, and I'm taking the time to be with the tea as it as it steeps. And Just enjoying that moment and then I'm taking it and I'm sitting down and enjoying the tea. Sitting down, not standing at the counter, which is where I, you know, usually eat and drink is at the counter. So I want to sit down and and enjoy my tea. And I've decided that rather than running around and doing 100 lunches, I'm going to start inviting people over for tea. I love that. And you used to do that too, you said. Yeah,
1: I used to do that with uh, a lot of my realtor friends. We had tea time once a week, several times a week. Personally, I was always doing it at three o'clock to kind of stop just for a moment and do something fun. I know we talked about fun. We've been talking about bringing fun into your world. And for some reason, tea just has a lot of layers of fun and peace and Mm -hmm. mindfulness. But I'm aware that as I approach the slowing down, I'm coming again face to face with fears that I have to reframe, mm-hmm. relabel, mm-hmm. re script, reauthor, re all the things, reimagine. Um <laughs> I think that's... And that it's not it's not a fast like it, and as I slow down, realizing there are these all these other lessons in the journey of slow. And one of them is it's not gonna be fix
0: all the things overnight. That's a hundred percent right. So I, you really didn't get to talking about slowing your mind down first before you moved to your body. You talked a little bit about that with me, and I wanted you to kind of run us through sort of what that process was of you learning to slow down, and because that also wasn't a quick, easy thing. No, it, it took figuring out when was optimal. Yes,
1: you know, for years. Kind. I've talked about this many times with you guys that I people have been telling me for decades you really should meditate you really should meditate hey I think meditation might be really good for you mm, you should meditate <laughs> uh, that's a lot of slowing down and, I, and being quiet and being still and,
0: and Alice I've I meditated with you during some of those times and it was really hard five minutes it, it meditation stressed, the thought of it
1: stressed you out oh yes you got to close your eyes mm-hmm. please don't make me close my eyes mm-hmm. I, I, I literally really struggled with meditation trained in transcendental meditation. Anyway, you've heard me talk about this before. This is not a new share, y'all. Um, but recently I had some real issues with some insomnia, and Melinda reminded me that all this work that I've been doing that I could that I do have some new skills, whether it was aromatherapy or the Insight Timer. Timer app, which has been really really a much bigger and bolder tool in my toolkit this year than sometimes I talk about and then i I had the idea to meditate in the evening before I went to bed and I discovered that morning meditation is just not my jam yeah it's just not when it's optimal for me You're right so I've been meditating mostly guided meditations that are in people that already have some some different types of guided meditation practices, and a couple of just the timer ones where you can do your own meditation. Been doing those for now 60 plus days. Mm -hmm. Um, And now that I've slowed my mind down, as you know, a lot of these meditations very much about breath work, I've now had multiple days, 60 plus days of slowing, having at least one time a day where I'm doing different breathing pacing and practices Mm -hmm. now my body is ready for movement and my body is craving a slower movement but I really just had to shift into a different layer and level of slow in my mind Mm -hmm. and that took several months yeah to work through that
0: yeah and that's what any of this even this whole practice of incorporating Tai Chi and incorporating tea and whatever it is that I, I feel like is right for me, that I have to also remember is not going to, I'm not going to be able to do 30 minutes of Tai Chi every day. And so we do have to remember, we do have to work up to it. We talked a little bit about this before, but the perfectionism is going to be the quickest way to, for us to completely fail at any of this. So thinking that everything has to be perfect, that if you sit down to meditate, you have to meditate for 10 minutes. You know, if you meditate for two minutes, good for you, you know, and do that until you're comfortable with it. I am,
1: I am all about coloring outside of the lines now. Mm. Like when we were talking about expansion and expanding definitions, Mm -hmm. um, in the last podcast, I really have resonated. That's really sort of been a, a strong reminder for me is that I am, I'm loosening up my permission. Yeah. To explore things and not have it be something, any of the practices and work that I'm doing be something that has to be in this box of this is yoga, this is Pilates, this is mindfulness, Mm -hmm. this is, it doesn't, it can be my own blend and I can pick and choose and I'm just tuning in to what my body is craving and Mm -hmm. wanting to explore Mm. and right now it's, it's wanting to explore the flow, the slower flow of Tai Chi. And I think it's because my mind has slowed down and my breath work has slowed down. Mm-hmm. And now my body is just talking very pointedly at me. Okay, <laughs> let's raise the arms. Let's let's mm-hmm. do some bending. Let's yeah. do some
0: gentle flow work. I always think it's interesting too, because I, and I love to always throw this out there, that it's, that Jill and I, you know, another part of being such a great friendship having such a great friendship and such a great partner in this is that i sent her a picture of a book that i had found at barnes and noble because i wanted to start doing tai chi and we had talked about tai chi a lot but but a long time ago it hadn't been really something that if we talked maybe we talked about recently but not that recently no it
1: wasn't recently but over the years it's been it's been mentioned in practices yes
0: and so i sent her this book and she was like oh my gosh i was actually thinking like now is the time. And I was like, me too, like that. So it's kind of interesting that we're both, we're just so on the same page. And I wanna also mention, because of our friendship, you have really brought in that I the idea of the body. And I, I've, I've mentioned this, I think, in the past, but I wanna talk a little bit more just about, you know, my own personal journey has been that I've been involved in meditation mindfulness for about 15, 16 years, but it wasn't until meeting you, that I really recognized the importance of the body in mindfulness work, really doing body work as part of mindfulness. Even though I knew I kind of wanted to do Tai Chi, I don't, I didn't frame it the way I do now in the importance of using the body for mindfulness work. And I think it's interesting because I think a lot, there's a lot out there in spiritual circles and in mindfulness circles about the fact that the body is of this world and we're trying to move above right move out of this world and so the body is not important that's I for me that has ended up being such a fallacy because I believe and this is my own personal belief but I believe that we were created in these bodies we were put in these bodies so we were put in these bodies for a reason and I think that these bodies are the catalyst for us to learn and grow so we need to use them optimally to help us. And as we continue to learn how to move and how to nourish and how to use our bodies, it is completely helping us grow spiritually, mentally, emotionally, because it's all, as we've said, it's all one kind of functioning thing. But it wasn't until our partnership that I really came to understand that. So thank you. Aww. That's what I have learned this last year.
1: And hearing you talk about some of this is bringing to the surface this anger and frustration in why do I feel like I have been fighting my body for the majority of my adult life, whether it's the shape of my thighs, the shape of my hips, the size of my waist, or the size of my bosom, or the shape of my chin. I mean, think back to your life as a woman. Mm. Have, Have you
0: you know, Do you, you know, I've said it on this, you know that that is 100% my biggest issue. I mean, it kind of makes
1: me a little sad mm-hmm. to hear you talk about our bodies housing our soul mm-hmm. and a part of the gift that we're given in life is this perfect instrument. And the fact that I have spent the vast majority of my life in combat with my body mm-hmm. or Right, In combat with it, abusing it, ignoring it, mm-hmm. denying it, mm-hmm. I don't want to approach the next chapter of my life in that combative spirit. And I'm, I breathing, keep, that I'm <laughs> I breathing that in. I keep fighting that right now. Yes. Like I uncrossed my legs. Mm-hmm. I have a tendency when I'm out in maybe a professional environment, mm-hmm. wanting to cross the legs because I... Don't love the shape of my lower half. Certainly, as I'm aging, I'm curvier and have thicker thighs, uh, and I <laughs> want to minimize that. But I am encouraging myself right now to sit with knees apart, feet grounded on the floor, legs hip width apart, and just sitting here
0: mm-hmm. feels awkward. It feels very awkward. I'm doing it as well, and it feels very awkward. I'm very used to being cross-legged and closing it up, like closing it up, being tight, being on alert. Yes, ready but ready for action at any moment. <laughs> my my perception is that most men don't think about that. Mhm. Cuz we're sitting is like that, men men set. Is that just my own imagination? I'm so interested to know if that is... I, I mean, I guess we could
1: just talk to the boys about it. Yes. The boys, do you just sit... Like, I I know that anatomically
0: they've got other things that interrupt right, sort right, of the space. Right. So that could that could be the argument. But I also do think that there is something to that relaxed state and versus the women having to sit to look pretty because our looks are super important and we have to sit with our legs crossed. And, and generationally, like, we have seen, you know, over
1: time different... I certainly having trained in the theater different like physical stances certain periods of time people sit or present themselves differently mm-hmm. i mean the silent generation the world war 1 pre world war 2 any of our great grandparents the women sat you know, or even our grandparents um, sat with their women with the ankles. So the the feet were, they they didn't cross their legs, they crossed their ankles. Right. And the ankles were off to the side. So Mm -hmm. that was a different seated stance for women. And it was more common for men of that generation to cross their legs the way women cross their legs nowadays. So it's all like
0: generational. Yes. Even then, though, with men... If you think about men crossing their legs, they were still crossing their legs and still kind of I still Slashed. see it, <laughs> slash back where women have to be seen upright, right? We had to sit upright, upright in our chairs with our legs crossed or our and minimize crossed. the space. Yes. Yeah, so that's very we have interesting. To take and, up less and space. And does that and does that then affect psychologically? Our, heck yes, yeah. Yes, affect us. Absolutely. I think, you know, you're really onto something. You've so mentioned like, that So like even earlier. me sitting right. here
1: um both feet on ground, legs hip width apart mm-hmm. in the seating position. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm taking up too much space. <laughs>
0: oh, I like think I'm that? like this is too much. Oh, interesting! I should that not just let it all hang thing. out. Like I just oh. feel like a I feel like a bum. Okay, see, I feel like slouchy. That's how I yes, feel. Yes, so like slouchy. Just, this is too much, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have to I have mm-hmm. to be more. I have to put my legs together. And yes, so interesting. And I do think it's again. Think about that. If you are listening to this, take a minute to sit with your feet on the ground, your legs slightly parted. I'm not saying like wide open, but just your knees not together. And just sit relaxed in in your seat and then try and then sit the way that you probably you probably normally sit with your legs crossed. And if you're a woman, legs crossed, sitting upright and see how that makes you feel because it really does change how you feel. Mentally, emotionally. Yeah, and the Alexander
1: Technique is mindfulness of movement and mindfulness of your own body in your day-to-day activity. If you were to uh, step into some of the practices of the Alexander Technique, it would it's nothing too woo-woo, crazy, right. different, but it's just, all right, maybe as I approach the day, being aware in the moments when I want to cross my leg. Mm-hmm. And sit in that awareness of Mm -hmm. why do I want to cross my legs? Is this needed? How is this serving me? And if it's not, inhibit that awareness and allow myself the opportunity to sit as my body is truly needing to sit. And I, like, I'm aware. I'm five foot two. I used to be five foot two and a half. (laughs) And apparently I've (laughs) lost my half. Um, But Sometimes I'm aware that I do sit cross-legged or unique positions because I can't always reach the ground um, and I'm in sure. uncomfortable positions and chairs, but okay. just sort of entering how you sit, how you reach for things, how you stand, stand up, sit down. Are you doing it in a manner that supports your body and, and allows you to utilize your best energy?
0: Yeah how does that make you feel when you change your body? And and yeah, how are you sitting that might change? That's really very cool insight. I think that this is not something I came up with. This is something that you mentioned to me earlier. I thought that was such a really incredible thought because I do feel completely different uh, in my body the way that I sit. And I do wonder with men too, and I, I don't know, I think we, we definitely need to get some in here to talk to, but I find that I'm not a sound sleeper, where my partner is a very sound sleeper, and I'm not. And I think that there's that part of, just as in sitting, I feel like it also is a part of always being alert and ready to please other, be there to please other people. And I think for sleeping, I'm always worried about, or not worried, but my body is conditioned to wake up at the slightest movement, the slightest sound, anything. And I'm part of that probably comes from having babies. Yeah. But gosh, they're way past needing me at this point. I, and know, I still have and that I, issue.
1: I love the word con- condition because I do think there's aspects of our routines and life where we are conditioned. But I wonder how much is there in terms of hormones and the chemical structure and the differences. I certainly in menopause now seeing the profound effects physically sleep, diet, you name it of estrogen loss. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder how the difference in chemical makeup between men men and women mm-hmm. affects our sleep and yeah. how that has played out evolutionarily. <laughs> Evolutionary. Anyway,
0: Evolution, evolutionarily. I mean, I think that's a great point. All of us have such different body chemistries, too. Yes, 100%. And, the, and, the, and the, our
1: environment, I mean, there's lots of other things that are now affecting and adjusting that sure. from the different electrical energies that are around mm-hmm. us, the different hormones that are in, in our foods, the pollution that's in our air. I mean, there's so much disrupting.
0: Well, that goes back to... The fact that our physicality absolutely does influence our emotions, who we are, how we act within the world, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, it affects all, it's all completely one unit. I just had an idea. What? In talking the theme of slowing down, what
1: if we approached the exercise of slowing down by ensuring that the whole field, everything that's around us, that surrounds us, sets us up for success in slowing down. Mm -hmm. Meaning we manage our schedule a little bit better Mm -hmm. and carve away, trim away the aspects of our schedule that keeps us too busy, Mm -hmm. trim away thoughts and narratives that lead us to want to continue with a fast pace. Mm-hmm. Make sure that we have the tools and tricks in our bag, in our toolkit mm-hmm. around us, whether that's a little tea set or timers. Like I've got this new breath timer because I was going to start trying to do some breathing exercises. I've also, my I, I don't know if it's just me, but as I age, not only the pacing, I'm getting more ADHD as I age. And so I've now started to do my work at my computer with my earbuds in, and I listen to music that is supposed to help with mental focus. Oh, interesting. And that's kind of helping guide me. What I'm describing is Mm cueing. Like when I am working with my physical therapist, people with multiple sclerosis, when you have lesions in your brain or spine, the, the disease attacks the myelin around your nerve. And that means nerve signals don't pass through as quickly or as efficiently as they normally did. So when I'm doing my Pilates or other exercises, sometimes I have to cue myself, which is I have to find some extra supportive mechanisms to remind my muscle to fire. Mm-hmm. So I'm right now. I'm poking at my leg. So let's say I'm doing a leg exercise to straighten and curl my leg. To straighten and curl my leg. Sometimes when I I get muscle fatigue, and so sometimes I have to like take my pointer finger and just tap my the muscle that I want to fire, mm. or just touch it, or put a little pressure there, or have a, a string or a rope or some device that provides me with some cueing, some mm-hmm. reminders. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that's what, if that's what I need at least at this initial stage mm-hmm. while I'm getting used to slowing down, if I just need more cueing support all around me from music to touch to mantras
0: to structure. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? That's something that you definitely do hear that there are certain songs or music or things that bring us back into present moment, right? So cueing is kind of really bringing you back in to where you are right here, right now. Is there cueing in meditation? Well, that's, I mean, that's really kind of what mindfulness is all about, right? Touch is definitely something that brings us into the present moment. Meditation, yes, is all about, that's why, so for me... Um, it depends on the person, but some people you know use a mantra. For me, I like the insight timer. I like the ohm sound. Mm-hmm. And so that for me, is a cueing, and it definitely brings me into my meditation now because I'm so used to using it. When I hear that, it's like I can almost go immediately into a deep meditation. But some people use their breath to bring them into the present moment. But that's really exactly what you're talking about, which is cueing. I mean, that's same concept, just different words, but but super valid and a great, great point. I do think that all of those things can and should be used to help us slow down. I think it's very important to remember those are, again, those are tools, right? Tools for our toolbox to help us slow down. I'm really excited, and I hope that we can maybe continue talking about our journey of slowing down over this next year. Yeah, because I mean... And what has
1: been fascinating me as I approach the new year is why I feel like I have to wait until the new year to step into that. That's another framework, another narrative that I've created. That Not that I haven't stepped into exploring or trying new things outside of a new year's resolution. I have. We all have. But there seems to be a lot of pent up energy around the first of the year. Is that just a taught
0: collective story that we've all decided to live? I absolutely believe that's what it is. I think it is a conscious collective narrative, as you said, that we've all just kind of bought into. It's interesting because we all have bought into this idea that the beginning of the year is a time to renew. And, and I think, again, if you look at it as a cue, as you said, maybe that's a great thing. And it's great for people who need it. But it's also technically a random date, right? So really, any day, we, I mean, dates on the calendar are, you know, created by man, right? So it really doesn't matter when we start. But it, but if waiting until the new year, if that is something that is meaningful for you, then I think that's great. I think as long as, as I said last week, I really hesitate to say, if anything is a resolution, because those resolutions seem to be something that we decide we're gonna do and then we're by end of January we're not doing them. And I wonder actually how much of that has to do with the fact that we decide we need to go in whole hog from the beginning. Oh, we have to yes. do it perfectly. Everything that we've decided to do. We burn out. We are and we burn out. A hundred percent. Because it's too because we've made that we've tried to make the change too complete too quickly. And I also think life happens. hmm and we
1: don't always have the skills to pivot to
0: mm-hmm. be
1: agile in a moment mm-hmm. and then we fall off whether you call it fall fall off the wagon yeah. or miss a day right and then you feel like you need to throw it all away oh i right. see i can't like it's dieting, this resilience about, yeah. yes practice yes. that we are working at at least in my business world one of the programs that people have been trying over the past several years is the 12-week year where you approach a goal or a project and you break it up into smaller chunks. And Mm. it's the 12-week year. So instead of like, here's all my marketing goals and business goals, productivity goals for one year, (laughs) you know, you break it up. Okay, these 12 weeks, I'm going to focus on this. And we actually use this 12-week approach with our son when my husband and I my in-laws as our homeschooling because our son is highly creative and was getting a little overwhelmed with his own perfectionism Mm -hmm. of feeling like wonder where he got that (laughs) feeling like it was hard for him to step into a project or Mm. a school program feeling like it needed to be fully fleshed out and he would get spun out
0: yeah Um, and
1: so we had to break it into really really small chunks and even my husband who's a writer and filmmaker he approaches a lot of his writing and projects and plays and films from that start small Mm -hmm. storyboard then flesh out some scenes and some characters and then you just keep building and building and growing and growing
0: and editing and refining and refining and refining so yes people who are major procrastinators typically also have a problem with perfectionism because they can't get started on a task unless they feel like they can do it perfectly. Yes. And that, that is exactly what my son was,
1: the trap he was falling Mm -hmm. into. And of course he was being homeschooled by his parents and grandparents and all he was seeing, Oh, you know, I'm not saying their success or like we, Mm -hmm. they didn't, he didn't see the hard work. Sure. He wasn't around for the hard work. Right, right. He just saw, oh, they're good at this now, and they're good at the you know, singing or acting or writing or whatever. And he didn't see yeah. the work. And so he, right. we had to teach him mm-hmm. the work that was a part of the growing in the building.
0: So once again, I just think – I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's so funny because I quite literally a couple of days ago – just had the same conversation in in a different way. It was about just about the fact that you saw your grandfather as being this successful human being. What you did not see and you did not know was that he immigrated to America when he was six. He and his family slept in the basement of an apartment building in the coal room with the five kids on one side and the two parents on the other, that your grandfather was on the third The top bunk of a three bunk bed thing that they'd created and was inches away from the hot water pipe so he could not move while he slept or he would be scalded, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you didn't know this and you didn't know that he's that's where he started and all that he had to go through to get to where he was. Only you only saw the end result, and I just think that's such a so fascinating. It's, fa- it's fascinating that we both had the same conversation well, at the I, same time. I'm just wondering as we sort of walk
1: through 2024 together,
0: mm-hmm.
1: whether it's this podcast or the the retreats that we're continuing to share and grow and enjoy with our community and our network. If we scrape all these ideas of a year or 12 weeks, but just loosen up those definitions and allow for growth to happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, or look to nature. Mm -hmm. That's what I've been enjoying. I'm only in the introduction of our Tai Chi book, but the first chapter was talking about Mm -hmm. aspects of it are reflective of nature and the seasons. Mm -hmm. So the business world is very focused on Q1, Q2, the quarters of a year. That's very seasonal. What if we just looked at the trees? And just or the migration of birds, and go. All right, you know maybe right now I'm just gonna be with the the birds that are here in the summer.
0: Mm -hmm. This is
1: when the hummingbirds come, and I'm just gonna meditate while the hummingbirds come when they come in the evening. Mm -hmm. Did you ever watch West Wing?
0: yes when it was first on so
1: we're we're a big we've watched west wing so many times the whole series over and over again but i we're introducing it to our son right now and there's this one episode where toby one of the characters in the show they follow a fictional presidential administration and it's the staff that support and work for him and toby is one of the characters that works in the west wing he has a day where he doesn't have anything to do all the work got done. All the problems got solved. And he was just pacing around the West Wing. And this one monologue that he had is like, I'm just walking around the world like a crazy person being in the world. And my husband and I have laughed about that <laughs> ever since we heard it. Because it seems really strange yeah. in this modern world to just be in the world. It does. Just be in the right. world.
0: Mm-hmm. It does. It Well, it's not productive, it's not productive. And it's not, not
1: productive. Is ne- is mm-hmm. negative.
0: It's negative. Lazy. Yes. Right. Right. All the negative narratives. All the Which in reality, I think that we're creating space within us to be able to do more. I think we will actually are going to find, and I really am excited for us to to really start this and and explore this as we go on. But I think we're going to find that we have more time and more energy to do things because we have slowed down and taken time for ourselves. To help reset. I think having a tea time, a reset in the afternoon, I think that's going to be really helpful.
1: I think it's going to be great. And I agree that I think it's going to bring more energy. But I am becoming more aware and mindful that it doesn't always mean that I'm more productive. But I think I'm starting to face the reality that I'm not getting as much done. Mm -hmm. But it may not be that I'm... How do I say it? Maybe I don't need to be getting everything done. And <laughs> I think that's Maybe a, a mind blower like
0: for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I feel
1: like I'm discovering walking in this path. Mm-hmm. I think as I approach this mindset of slowing down and just being in the world, that some of the things that I thought were important, productive things to do mm-hmm. in my day mm-hmm. are not important, productive things. Mm. In yeah. my life,
0: or right. th- there isn't a need for it. That's right. So some of the things that we think we have to do, we don't need to do. You know, aren't needed. <laughs> you and I also are are very similar in this way. This is a great. Here's an example. My son Zach, my oldest, had eleven friends coming in for New Year's. So again, you all are listening to this um, after New Year's, but this is we're recording this before New Year's. Anyway, eleven kids six of whom are staying at my house. He asked, we talk, I'm thrilled. I love having a house full. Sure, I yeah. love it. But what that ends up doing for me, what I ended up doing was, well, I have to buy new pillows because they're going to be <laughs> disgusted. They're going to take their <laughs> pillowcases off and the pillows are old and I'm going to need to buy new pillows and I'm going to need to have new towels and I'm going to, and so I need to go do all this stuff and I've got to get go out and buy everything and then I have to have enough snacks for everyone and what are they going to want? And I don't know. And it has to be perfect. I start doing this right to myself, And Zach, even I was kind of saying to him, not quite that spun out, but maybe not. That probably wouldn't. That was not far off. off. That I was saying, well, what about this? What about that? And what? And Zach said, Mom, we're all about eighteen months out of college. Nobody cares if they're sleeping on a mattress on the floor. Nobody cares if the sheets have a hole in them. You know, nobody, nobody cares, Mom. It's really okay and uh, and I was like, "Oh, what a concept because I was I was I created so much work for myself. Okay, And then there's another aspect of this, actually. Yes. So the other aspect of that is that it also the day of my really preparing for everybody happened to fall on my mother's birthday. Oh, And so there's the other aspect is that I, as we've established in this, I am the queen, <laughs> the queen of avoiding emotions. I will tell everybody, everyone, I, we talk about this, Jill and I talk about this on a retreat, everything, the importance of feeling your emotions. However, I do not always practice what I preach. <laughs> we're, just being, I we're just being real, to, real just with being real. y'all. And I don't mean it. Like I don't do it consciously. That's what's so funny. I just have so many ways. But one of my biggest go-to is that I get super busy. I get super, oh. super busy. And so I become almost obsessively hyper-driven to get things done. So then I decided that day that not only was I going to have to clean the bathrooms and clean all the sheets and get everything laid out and get everything ready for those people, then I also needed to take down all of the Christmas stuff and all the Hanukkah stuff. I needed to take it all down because it felt too claustrophobic. So, I mean, I just added work on myself. Holy cow. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? And
1: then, but I will say I would have done Absolutely everything that you did. I would do the yeah. same thing. I,
0: isn't that funny? Is that a female thing? I think, no, I, I don't. I think it's an avoidance technique. I really do. And I bet men, well, I don't know if men do it to the same degree. We really need to talk to some men. We, we really need we to. We really do. I mean, we I, do know men. We do but. know <laughs> men. So we will, yeah. Well, I was going to say, my partner then came and got me that evening to go out to dinner and go to a movie. I mean, I sat in his car and I was like, oh my God, I'm so, he goes, are you okay? And I said, I'm so tired. And it didn't even occur to me that it was the grief that was oh. starting to hit. I finally stopped. And it wasn't until And then we're in the movie, and I'm thinking, God, I really want to cry. And there isn't really a part to cry. And I just, I don't know why. I just want to cry. So weird. And then we came home, <laughs> and I was like, I'm just really wiped. Like, I think I'm going to go on to bed. And so he left. and I all, And then it was like the second I was alone and stopped. I started just sobbing, and it was all about my mother. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that gosh. crazy? It was all because it was all about my mom. And, and I had just been holding it at bay all day, not even realizing that I was holding it at bay. Oh. So that's another aspect to busyness that I have to really explore is how much of the busyness is not just people-pleasing, as you talked about, and is mm-hmm. absolutely an mm-hmm. aspect, but how much of it also is just me trying to <laughs> – Trying to avoid my feelings as much as possible. I
1: really want to step into this a little bit and get a little better sea legs in the just being in the world. And not worrying so much about what being might look like to other people and Mm -hmm. how they might feel or think of me Mm -hmm. being in the world or not
0: having a clean house or. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm the queen if somebody walks my house. I know I've done this to you. Yeah. But oh, I'm, I'm, so have, I go, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Look at another stuff on the dining table. This and pile just, and that. Right. I point look, it all out. <laughs> look at this. Look here. Look at this spot on the floor I didn't get to. Yeah. I'm so terrible at that. So, yeah, it's true. And you know what's... fat? So, as a
1: realtor, I am in people's houses all the time. Mm-hmm. And I often see it when it is messy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And people apologize Every time I go into their house, no matter what state it's in, they apologize.
0: Oh, that funny. And I know that typically everyone looks sees past That's so true the stuff. 100%. I don't walk into anyone else's house and notice the stuff or yeah. I'm just happy to be there and I'm involved in the energy exchange, exactly. right? Exactly. Not in what's around me. It's so true. I really don't. None and yet we spend an enormous I continue to be
1: frustrated with the enormous amount of time I waste on fighting my own body,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how it looks, mm-hmm. fighting so much energy I spend on crafting myself in a way that will be pleasing to somebody else and what other people think of me. Mm-hmm. What, what we so... think.
0: they And what, what they yeah. think yes. is. We, we well decide said. what we think is important to them.
1: I mean, I, I personally, I can't speak for you, but me personally have spent more than half of my life working at putting myself together to please others.
0: Mm-hmm. Visually, yeah. mm-hmm. physically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all of the ways that I can. I think that's a really great point. And the thing that's so interesting is when you we were just talking about houses, I was thinking, I'm actually a lot more comfortable in a house that's a little lived in yeah lived in is a good way to pick so I was like I don't not shabby not I'm not trying to say that but yeah lived in isn't perfectly pristine and clean and everything is those houses make me feel like I can't I feel constricted in mm-hmm. those houses right mm-hmm. I don't feel like I can just sit back and relax so it's kind of hilarious that I feel like I need to have a pristine home which by the way I never do yeah <laughs> I just not so happen. like you said I I spend way too much energy worrying about that. So great point. And let's let's check in next week and see how we are doing.
1: Yes. As we I, slow I, down and I change I am our leaning into the assistance of music in my day-to-day, mm-hmm. having my earbuds in, having music just kind of slow me down and cue me to think and feel differently. I haven't stepped into any sort of new year nutrition yet. I'm still working on clearing the space in my refrigerator.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Well, let's see. And we invite anyone and everyone to join us in this journey if you're interested. And just, again, no, we're not, none of us are looking at perfectionism. We're looking at trying to take little steps every day to just try to bring some space into our day. So join us. Let us know how it's going. Yeah. email us reach out to us at soulnourishingcollective
1: at gmail.com and we're really enjoying a lot of the new conversations that we're having with new friends and we've got some great fun things planned uh, some more things planned in the new year but stay tuned
0: Uh, onward we go onward we go